0: Hello, my fannous friends. Welcome to my podcast feed. Powered by ACAS Plus. Here's a joke from my son. What did the bum say to the other bum? That's a bummer. You know, not for everyone. Hello, it's me, Richard Herring, and welcome to another episode of Can I Have My Ball Back? A show inspired by my own bollocks, one of them in particular, but the other one played an important role. It was still there. And it's inspired by all of the bollocks that have ever been in history, and all around the world, and possibly the universe. We don't know. Whether they're real balls, or in this episode especially, fake balls. That's right. Balls there are balls because they're not actually balls that's what we're looking at this week Yes we've reached episode 4 which is twice the number of testicles I've ever owned and now four times the number of testicles or twice two you can do the math you can there's four times one or two times two or infinity times zero So far in this series we have heard from Charlie Borman dr. Sarah Kayat and Grand National winning jockey, Bob Champion. Later on this episode, we are going to hear from materials scientist, Dr Anna Pusheiski. What a materials scientist, you say? Why would a materials scientist be interested in testicles? Is she planning to take all the excised testicles from testicular cancer operations and mould them together into one gigantic testicle that she can use to conquer the world? It'll roll around on a sort of hairy scrotum, like a, a sort of tank. And then eat everyone up? No, it's not because of that. It's because this episode is our prosthetics special. All you could ever possibly want to know about the replacement testicles that are offered to you if, like me, you have a testicle removed. That's right, they give you falsies if you want them. But before we get the fake ball rolling, that's just an analogy. And again, I'm not talking about the ball being created by Dr. Anna Poshyski. I have no evidence she's doing that. There's just something in her voice that made me think she might be. <laughs> Let's once again return to my own testicular odyssey. And the odyssey is a good analogy there because, of course, like the Cyclops, I only have one ball. At the end of episode three, you may remember, I'd been to have a full body scan to see if what might be cancer, we still don't know if it was cancer yet, had spread beyond the bounds of my scrotal sac. And now, just over a week later, it was time to go to yet another doctor to get my results. But not before my nads got another cupping. The doctor was waiting in a room and immediately asked to examine me, so the hand to bollock world record was beaten once again. I, I can't see her achievement ever being bettered, but good luck to any future competitors willing to give it a go. Um, I'm not sure she even needed to examine me. It turned out the scan was pretty decisive, but maybe she did so to make me satisfied she was being thorough. Possibly she simply loves cupping disease balls. Uh, (laughs) If so, she chose the right job. They probably have some kind of process to weed those people out. (laughs) She told me the scan had confirmed that there was a large mass in my right testicle, that in fact my right testicle was more or less taken over by whatever this thing was. It was basically an invasion of the bollocks snatchers scenario. Uh, The parasitical cells had conquered the whole thing, and there was nothing resembling my testicle in there. It wasn't, however, possible to tell if the mass was cancer, but... Whatever it was was so big, there was nothing to be gained by taking a biopsy. The only course of action was to remove the testicle completely, then they could test it and find out what was wrong. I wanted to say that if we're going to do that, then it better be bloody cancer. I mean, I'd I'd be fairly cross if they took out my ball, only to find it had had a bit of a cold, uh, which would have cleared up in time. It was weird to be gunning for cancer, I have to say, but... um... I was a little bit relieved. At least I knew what was happening. I didn't have to wait another week for the biopsy and another week for the results, worrying that cancer was continuing to spread its tendrils through my organs and capillaries. I wasn't going to mourn my ball. I wanted this rebellious turncoat out of me. The doctor was surprised I wasn't more upset. This was a big moment. What's the point in becoming a doctor if people don't take bad news without even really blinking? (laughs) Do you have any questions, she asked. The question I really wanted you to ask was, can I have my ball back? Um, once they'd taken it out and tested it, would it be returned to me? Not to be reattached or anything, I'm not stupid. Just, just so I could have it. It was, I mean, it was mine. I'd grown it and fed it and watered it and vigorously exercised it over the last 40 years. Also, later in the year, I was appearing on the Champion of Champion editions of Channel 4's Taskmaster. At the beginning of the show, you may know, each competitor is asked to bring in a prize from home. And the winner gets to take all five prizes back with them. The funnier or more impressive the prize, the more points you receive. I thought a testicle in a jar would probably win me the round. Especially if I joked, I've always said I'd give my right bollock to win Taskmaster. Well, At the very least, a lopped-off gonad in a jar would make an excellent conversation starter if I kept it on a coffee table in my lounge. Or I could plasticate it and turn it into some interesting jewellery. Who wouldn't want my abdomen apricot hanging from their ear? What if I wanted to put it under my pillow for the testicle fairy? Uh, The testicle fairy doesn't get as much business as its tooth-obsessed cousin, but I suspect it would pay a pretty penny for every globule of gristle it finds it didn't feel the right time for jokes, so I just shook my head. I do regret it, though, because uh, do they let you keep it is the question that I've probably been asked most since I've had this operation, and it would have been good to have the definitive answer. In truth, I'm too squeamish. If I get a bit lightheaded at the sight of my own blood, how would I be if they gave me a bollock in a plastic bag bobbing around like a dead goldfish that I'd won at a fun fair? <laughs> The doctor told me I had to make a couple of important decisions fairly quickly. Did I want to store some sperm? Uh, I said, well, you know, I'm 53, I've got two kids, my wife is getting a little bit broody, so if there's any way you can ensure that it's... Just make doubly sure that will be fine. Uh, she said, and did I want to have a prosthetic ball put into my nutsack to give me the appearance of a duo-baller? Now, I can understand why some men might want this, and I totally respect the decision to take one, If you're still dating, then worrying what a potential lover might think of your bollock when they see it might hit your self-confidence. But, you know, if someone's got to the point where they're able to notice you've only got one testicle, the date's going pretty well. I I think it's... I think it's it's unlikely they're going to... Oh, hold on. They're probably not going to turn back because it's half empty. Or is it half full? Um, You know, it's a good way to find out if you're dating an optimist or a pessimist very early on so (laughs) similarly you might worry that there might be judgement or amusement in the locker room but would there be I mean perhaps if you're one of the younger victims of testicular cancer that might be a concern you Certainly feel like everyone's judging your junk when you're a teenager, whether they are or not. So, a pretend horse chestnut slipped into your conker shell might help. Um, I do sympathise with young men who have to face what I was going through. My my testicles have served their purpose and now I can eject them, like they're booster rockets on a space shuttle. But if you're the start of your adult life, then of course it's great to have the choice to refrigerate sperm and wear falsy testes. It's up to you, and if you get one put in and then later decide that the false ball is superfluous to requirements, you can always have it taken out again. My personal decision was that it would be ridiculous for me to get a prosthetic. I was 53 years old and happily married. Even were I single and dating, it wouldn't bother me if I only had one ball. I can imagine that would be an interesting chat-up line. Uh, I think most people would be intrigued to see it. (laughs) The only person I want to entice into my bed is my wife, and I knew she wouldn't care if I had one ball missing. To be honest, if she didn't know this was happening... I'm pretty sure she wouldn't even have noticed it was gone. Uh, not because she isn't interested, but because if you're working in that area, you're not really counting them, are you? They're, those things move around a bit as well. So you just keep searching until you got one. Even as a ball owner I occasionally lost track of where my own were but it must be in there somewhere. It'll turn up when I need it. Uh, would anyone really notice in the locker room? If I ever accidentally happen to glance at the genitalia of another man in a changing room or a toilet stall, and I become quite adept at ensuring that kind of accident never happens, by never looking at people's genitals, then I'll immediately look away. Even if they've got a really freaky or massive penis, I, I wouldn't hold its gaze, because it's not the done thing. If I forgot and did absentmindedly stare at one of the really huge or bendy or, you know, the weirdly coloured ones, because it... It was like something I'd never seen in my life. I would definitely not even give a second glance to the bollocks. Not even a first glance to the bollocks. Even if the penis was tiny and the balls were massive, I'd be enchanted by the tiny penis. There's there's no situation I can think of where I'd bother wasting precious eye time by looking at, let alone counting, someone's testicles. Electing to have a false ball put in for the benefit of a weirdo at my gym, someone who decided to stare at my genitalia, and was someone able to distract his attention from my exceptionally beautiful penis in order to notice that beneath my onion bag might be short of an onion, that would be an odd choice. Who cares if that guy judged me? What right do you have to judge me for anything? They don't even understand basic locker room etiquette. Stop looking at my ball without express permission. You're the one who should be being judged by an actual judge. <laughs> So, as you've heard, I was happy enough to not get a prosthetic, but I've been interested to see what some of my guests this series have chosen to do in those same circumstances. Will they have one, or won't they? Charlie Borman, my guest in episode one, did get a falsie inserted, so I asked him how he made that decision, And what his wife thought of
2: the idea. She wasn't bothered either way. Actually, to be fair, it was all a bit of a rush when they said, you know, do you want to have a false one in there or not? And I didn't really know. And then when I asked them what was the ratio, it was pretty 50-50, so that didn't help anything. And actually, one of the things my wife did say, she did say, well, if they're going to put another one in, just make sure it's bigger. (laughs) No, she didn't really care. But she did say something quite funny and disgusting about having doing doggy style and saying, you know, I want to feel both balls. (laughs) But you uh, probably can't use that, can you? No, we can definitely, have if you want to use it, we can use it.
0: So, Charlie's now lived with a prosthetic testicle for over 12 years of his existence. I asked him how it feels to have one and whether he still notices it's there.
2: I was at the Dead Sea a number of years ago, and, and because it's a silicon testicle, it kept flipping me over like a, like a tortoise, and I could just this little hairy ball was just sticking out of of this salty water. So yeah, yeah, in a shipwreck, it might uh, keep yeah, you yeah, keep me flat. My own life jacket, but because
0: um, <laughs> I'd heard you'd had it taken out again. No I, no, I I didn't.
2: I thought about it. Um, because the thing was, I do a lot of motocross and enduro racing, and yeah. and you move around on the motorbike a lot, and I kept sitting. Yes. On it and getting it trapped between my thigh and my seat. And because you see the thing is if you're doing extreme sports or anything like that, your testicles move up out the way yes. for you. But the silicon testicle is stitched to your ball bag. Right. And so it just sits there. You know, this <laughs> stupid thing just sitting there. And and so I kept sitting on it and then and then it would pull at my at my ball bag and, right, and yeah. oh the pain was just uh, I kept thinking that I'd ripped my testicle <laughs> yeah. or my ball sack off. It was um <laughs> It was not very nice. Yeah, that's not good. And I just wish I'd never put it in. So anyone out there who was thinking about having a false one put in, I wouldn't bother.
0: Charlie doesn't seem to be a massive fan of his falsy, but it's still in there. So I felt I should push him to look for some positives. If he found anything good about having a fake bauble embedded in his family jewels.
2: I did used to go for charity, uh, when we're doing November things. I, I said to people that if they give me 50 quid to November, they could flip my testicles. And so I'd sit there holding my testicle, and these people would come up and they'd flick my testicle. And, and, uh, and I'd make quite a bit of money on that for November.
0: Now, that party trick might sound like fun and a good money spinner for charity, but. Have I uncovered some sort of fake baller scam going on here? This happens a lot. Just listen to what Dr Sarah Kayat said when I asked her if she advises her patients towards getting a prosthetic or not.
3: I think it's totally up to the individual. I do actually, I have a friend, he won't mind me telling this, (laughs) um, who, who had a prosthetic and... He would go to pubs and bet people, uh, you can give me 50 quid if you whack my testicle, you know, that kind of thing. And yeah. he'd, he'd rake it in. You'd go to all the pubs in the area. They'd all bash his testicle and he wouldn't flinch. They'd give him 50 <laughs> quid. He was raking it in. Not something I recommend to anybody else, <laughs> by the way, out there. Yeah, I, I think... It's just a matter of what works for you and whether you want to swindle the nation.
0: Um. Well, if I, no one told me about that, though. I would be worried that they would hit the wrong one, I have to say. so You, have to know, you very specifically have to hit this one. I think <laughs> then you I'll just be,
3: hold the other one.
0: <laughs> hold the other out of the way. And Dr Kaya isn't the only one to know of this fake bollock pub trick. Here's a sneak peek from an upcoming interview with stand-up Scott Bennett and his wife, Gemma.
4: I went on a stag night once and a lad had one testicle. So he got talking because she tends to did bond. You get,
2: how did you get talking uh, about that? Te- I
4: don't know how the conversation got onto that but he'd had a prosthetic and as the night wore on, I remember at the end, <laughs> end of the night he got out the prosthetic and he was flicking it and saying, look, it, I can't feel anything. <laughs> and I was just like, I was just like, like, let's have a go on that. Let's have a go on your prosthetic. But I was like, at some point, you're going to forget which one's which and that's going to backfire. Scott
0: had torsion testes at the age of 15 and so had to decide whether to get a prosthetic or not at quite a young age, a lot younger than I did. He still decided against the idea.
4: I remember when he talked to me about the prosthetic and he was like, you know, because you might want to make it look more aesthetically pleasing. And I was like, have you seen a scrotum, mate? (laughs) Have you you actually looked at how ugly this thing is? It is like putting glitter on on a pig's ear. It's pointless, this is.
0: So, various responses to that all-important question. All I would say is if you do decide to get one put in, don't just do that so you can scam people down the pub. I don't think it's worth removing a healthy testicle in order to do this. Also, what if they hit the wrong one? Or they really whack you? So, you know, think on. There's better ways to make money. And as we've heard earlier, I made the decision not to have a falsie myself. Here's a bit more of my reasoning. My personal notions of masculinity are nothing to do with how many bollocks I have. I'm not sure I ever felt like a complete man, whatever that is, even when I had the full meal of meat and two veg. I still am happy enough to include myself in that loose affiliation of extremely varied humans who identify as men. Most of them will have some approximate version of the genitals I had, but some will have bits missing, or extra bits, or no bits at all, or even completely different genitalia. Having balls isn't a requirement to be in the club, just as having ten balls wouldn't make you five times more manly. Though I'd like to start up a rumour that it would. Just, just to see those men who are desperate to prove their manliness for some reason start filling their love hammocks with prosthetics, clacking around like the bag they pick the FA Cup fixtures out of. <laughs> I'd still identify as a man if you cut off my genitals completely. I'd still identify as a man if I was somehow imprisoned by an insane scientist who was bored of making human centipedes and now decided to replace dicks with vaginas. I'd still feel like I was a man. What I'm saying is I didn't have to have two balls for me to know who I am, so I definitely didn't have to appear to have two balls to know who I am. Uh, I might have been worried that losing a ball might have some impact on my hormones or libido, but I wasn't worried it would affect my perception of whatever the hell Richard Herring was. Thank you. Uh, I'd mainly decided I didn't want a prosthetic because I wasn't ashamed of my new status. I was going to be proud of what I was. I was going to be a uniballer, a monoballer, a womble. And I didn't want to pretend any differently to the tiny handful of people who were going to be unlucky enough to see my testicles in however many years I have left. Becoming a one-baller was a no-brainer. In a nutshell, I told the doctor I didn't want a prosthetic in my nutshell. (laughs) Again, she seemed quite surprised that I could be so immediately dismissive. You can always change your mind later, she told me. I told her I didn't think I would. Though, I have to say, directly after the operation, the first time I looked at myself in the mirror, I kind of slightly regretted not having the prosthetic, because on one side I was a regular adult male, then I turned around, on the other side, I was like a three-year-old boy. And I I thought, that's does look a little odd, though I thought maybe I can do a musical act, you know, like the old half an hour your... But I'm not sure what that act would be, a grown man with no trousers on, talking to a child with no trousers, but you know, I'd work, could work out the detail. Luckily though, over the coming weeks, once the left one realised the right one had gone, it sort of shifted to the middle of the bed. Uh, <laughs> The doctor said to me, "You'll probably be okay anyway. You have an unusually thick scrotum, um, <laughs> so p- people probably won't notice." <laughs> Pretty good, and she's seen a lot of scrotums. Scrotum apparently is the correct. I was told last week. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't have gender. The scrotum has no gender, ironically. So scrotum, not scrotai. Um, <laughs> no, some of this is just going to be interesting. <laughs> 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 of all the things that would have gender you would think wouldn't you you would think it would be that um, this was part of the reason that like a manual diagnosis had been quite difficult because there was a lot of fat wrinkly skin to feel through to get to the succulent rotten fruit beneath uh, as disappointing as it was to have the news I was losing one of my boys at least I had my scrotum to fall back on a scrotum so thick it might convince a locker room pervert that I had two balls in my bowling bag I've never actually seen a prosthetic myself because I didn't choose to have one. And given this episode is all about falsies, I wanted to find out more about what they're made of, who invented them and why, and what the future for false balls might be. So I spoke to award-winning material scientists and possible Dr. Frankenstein monster testicle maker. We don't know. Dr. Anna Poshyski. I started by asking her, what on earth does her job entail?
3: I'm a materials scientist, which means that I have studied metals and plastics and ceramics and materials from the natural world and glasses. And it's my job to work out what atoms are up to inside materials and then work out how we can use that information to change materials in the way that we experience them in our everyday lives. So we're responsible for why bridges aren't made out of chocolate, for example. We're about choosing the right material for the job.
0: Okay, I think you should make bridges out of chocolate, and I can't see why not. (laughs) Um, You're like an alchemist then, if you're changing materials into other things, you're sort of a medieval alchemist come to life. Is that right?
3: Yeah, exactly right. So if I were able to turn a bridge into gold, then I definitely would. Um, (laughs) Yeah, we're about kind of manipulating materials at the atomic level so that they can behave better for us.
0: And do you have any experience yourself with, Prosthetics
3: of any kind? Yeah, I've done some materials research on whether we can make smart prosthetics. So, this is the idea that not only could we have synthetic body parts that we've built to kind of look and be the right shape of a body part that they're replacing, but can we actually make it have a function that is either the same as the body part before, so it moves in the same way, or could we make it have an even better function? So, some of the stuff that I worked on was 3D printed materials that could basically act a bit like an exoskeleton, so a bit like Wallace and Gromit's wrong trousers, the kind of wearable (laughs) devices that can support the body or move it in new ways. Um, So I was working on new materials that we could move in order to put them on prosthetics and implants in some way.
0: Could we evolve that? Like, Obviously, some creatures have kind of incorporated other things into them. Is there a point where human beings will be able to create exoskeletons that they can evolve yes i'm getting it. yes definitely yeah yeah for
3: sure um and not only that though you know at the moment we have scientists that have developed prosthetics that can replace let's say you've got an amputation below the elbow they've made synthetic hands that not only look like a hand but actually pick up the nerves in the person's remaining arm and can then move the fingers of the prosthetic triggered by the existing nerves so we're already making stuff that is kind of a half robot half human already and it's only going to go more that way
0: Wow, that's so exciting. Uh, Well, I'm going to waste your time by talking (laughs) about prosthetic testicles, uh, which I do not have one. I only have one testicle now and I elected not to uh, have a prosthetic put in. But what do you know about the history of prosthetic testicles and how long people have been attempting to replicate missing testicles?
3: Yeah, I think the history of testicle prostheses is relatively short in the history of humans trying to put stuff in their bodies that aren't originally human materials, (laughs) you know, gold teeth, uh, wooden legs, those kinds of things we've been doing for centuries and centuries. But for testicles, I think it's been about 80 years. The first one recorded was in 1939. It was an American scientist called Dr. Ralph Bowers in New York City. He was a doctor and he decided to put a metal called vitalium into a human person as a testicle prosthesis and vitalium is an alloy of chromium cobalt and molybdenum which are materials that are pretty inert that was probably why he chose it Um, but of course a metal testicle may not feel exactly the same (laughs) as it would for a normal testicle
0: is it magnetic or would it would you be uh, drawn to huge magnets
3: Oh, the cobalt aspect, yeah, would be magnetic. (laughs) To be honest, I would think the biggest factor for a metal testicle prosthesis would be the thermal properties. Okay. Because obviously, metals, when we touch them, feel quite cold. Yeah. And so, I reckon if you were to go for a cold swim or step out on a cold day, you might feel a bit of a chill down below.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And it would clang, presumably, if flicked.
3: If flicked, yeah. (laughs) Or if you had two together, you might end up kind of clanging down the road. Oh, dear.
0: Yeah, well, that doesn't sound like a great idea. Exactly.
3: The early <laughs> ones were um, were not ideal. So in the two decades or so that followed that first prosthesis, they decided to try other different materials. So lots of them were kind of plastic materials. Polymethyl methacrylate, also known as perspex, mm. was something that was tried. Dacron, which is a kind of polyester webbing-like material, a kind of um, almost like insulation material was chosen. Polyethylene, the stuff from milk bottles, Glass marbles as well. They tried lots of different materials in the kind of 40s and 50s, and this was a time as well when plastics were only just really taking off. And so, while we were experimenting with plastics for milk bottles, we were also experimenting with plastics for testicle prostheses as well. Okay,
0: given it's just trying to get something of a certain shape and density, I suppose could you not? I mean, I I I do a stone clearing podcast where for a long time I've been speculating about whether I could replace all my body parts with stones and live forever. I'm glad you're nodding that that, as Mm. if that's a normal thing to think. (laughs) And then I lost (laughs) a testicle and I kind of wondered whether I could find a nice round pebble and clean it, obviously. Yeah, probably put it through the dishwasher. Mm. would that work why is it so complex why are there so many different things can i put a stone in my scrotum is the first question
3: could you put a stone in your scrotum well yeah apart from the problem of the density thing the main thing that we look for for materials that we put in our bodies is a property called biocompatibility which is basically exactly what it sounds like we want the body to try and recognize this material as if it was its own Okay. So stuff that looks to the body like a surface that it recognises and molecules that it recognises are more likely to be accepted. Stones not usually found in the body. I guess you have kidney stones. So yeah. if it was like a calcified stone, you might be OK. But what we always try and do is match the surface properties and match the molecules that are on the surface of prosthesis, so that the body is kind of tricked into thinking that it is a familiar material.
0: I see. It's a bit more complicated than I thought. So I, I read that then they were making them out of the same stuff that false breasts were made out of. Is that, is that where they went next?
3: Yeah, definitely. And they ran into a bit of a problem with that. So I think they started those silicone-filled testicular prosthesis around the 70s. But in 1995, they withdrew those because it was in the early 90s when they started to realise that those were causing problems for breast implants. You know, there was something called gel bleed, which sounds horrible <laughs> yeah <laughs> and cause all sort of connective tissue inflammation and stuff so they withdrew it in 1995 and there was a short period of a, about two years where if you were somebody who had a testicle removed you were only able to access a prosthesis if you got one that was made for animals what? so vets were still offering these prostheses to dogs but if you went to your doctor and you said you wanted one then that's all they could offer you so there was a short period about 95 to 97, where you actually couldn't get one. But it all changed with an American physician called Paul Turek in California. He developed a silicone outer and a saline solution, like salty water solution inside, rather than the silicone gels. And that's the technology that we still use today.
0: Okay. Why was there a ready supply of false testicles for dogs available? <laughs> And, and what was the difference? Why didn't they just make them for people with the same stuff as they were making them for dogs?
3: I think they obviously didn't worry so much about this idea of gel bleed in the dogs. I am a dog owner who currently doesn't have any testicles either. And he didn't seem too bothered about it, to be honest. Yeah. But Maybe there are some dogs out there with particularly sensitive self-esteem who um, <laughs> really felt that they needed <laughs> needed the implants to feel like they were a full dog.
4: Yeah, you know? I did
0: write about this in the book. I think if I was to wake up, having had my testicles removed and replaced with prosthesis without being told, which is what a dog would do, I don't think I'd be fooled and I think I'd be a bit confused as to why my testicles suddenly were unresponsive (laughs) to the touch, which I'd imagine a a dog knows better than I do.
3: Indeed, I would say so too. Yeah, I wonder what the dogs would say if we were to ask them how they felt (laughs) about it.
0: So it turns out that this episode is literally the dog's bollocks. And you know what else is the dog's bollocks? Every single thing that is advertised during this podcast, you must go and buy all of it. Let's have an advert break to find out who our wonderful sponsors are.
1: Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds.
2: Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? Right.
1: And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome back to Can I Have My Ball Back?
0: Episode 4. I'm midway through a very enlightening chat about prosthetic testicles with material scientist, and you know what else she is interested in, Dr. Anna Pushayski. You know what you were saying earlier about the hand that still had the nerves, would it be possible to do that with the testicles? So that if people were kicked in the balls, it would still hurt them like in the old days.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because nerves are just kind of electrical signals. So if you just had a prosthetic that would give that electrical signal to the pain nerves that get sparked as you get kicked in the balls, you could definitely make it hurt just as much or more even if you were implanting it into your nemesis. Yeah,
0: It's good. I'm glad that I've gone for that rather than making it sensitive to the touch and being sexually exciting. (laughs) All I want is to be able to experience the extreme pain luckily I've still got one balls I still can feel it but if you had no balls it'd be a shame to miss that exquisite pleasure <laughs> of being badly injured and in the future are these things going to be kind know I, t- I talked to Charlie Borman and he said because the prosthesis is sort of sewed into your scrotum that mm. on his motorbike he can sit on it and cause himself quite a lot of pain if he sits on it are they going to improve in terms of usability and what they're capable of doing I mean you're sort of turning you into a semi-robot by implanting this so is there anything that we can look forward to in the future yeah
3: there's some quite cool stuff that we're already doing in the medical sciences that we could easily apply to this one example that i thought of would be in the same way that you can get a hormonal implant for contraceptive purposes that gradually releases hormone over time they've done animal studies with these processes for testicles where it would have testosterone inside it that would slowly release over time okay so one you know negative of having a testicle removed is that biological testes would release testosterone over time you could have a material that does that for you so that you then don't have to if you wanted to take testosterone supplements something else is sort of glues in the body ways that we can kind of avoid stitches and those painful ways of adhering implants to the body that you were mentioning yeah New biocompatible glues is something that material scientists are really working on. And that is another way, actually, to make the body recognize that it is a material that looks like a body material. Yeah. Um, it's something that we do with titanium hip implants quite a lot. So titanium, obviously not a material that is within the body. And um, what they do is they coat it with a hydroxyapatite coating, which is something that we do have in the body in bones. So it looks like it is the material that it isn't. So those types of coatings we would start using, all sorts of ways that we can make the body happier with what it is. But then also some quite cool ways of making them. So I read a paper about a 3D printed metamaterial, which is aiming to address the stiffness issue (laughs) of these implants. Because um, now I'm not a testes owner myself, but... Apparently, when you squeeze the saline ones, I don't know if anybody would be interested in squeezing a ball, but if you were, it wouldn't squeeze the same as a natural ball would. (laughs) And so these researchers, what they did was 3D print a ball that was designed specifically to squeeze in a similar way to a natural ball would squeeze. (laughs) Um, You get all sorts of things in the scientific literature these days. But the idea of a metamaterial is super interesting. So the thing itself is just made out of a silicone material, like a very boring material. But what they do is they three D print it in a structure, and the little parts of it buckle and move when you squash it, so that it mimics an interesting mechanical property that you wouldn't get if you just made the whole thing out of a solid version of that material. Right. So that's the kind of thing that we can look forward to as well. Yeah. In terms of making it as ball-like as possible.
0: Sure. And I saw possibly. Using it as a Wi-Fi hotspot—is that genuinely a, an idea, or is—I mean, you know—it seems. Is it worth losing a ball in order to get this Wi-Fi hotspot? <laughs> it might be. It might be.
3: It could well be. Yeah. If we look to the future in terms of you know upgrading the human body, there's all sorts of things that we could think of that would be really useful to have as a semi-external body part. Things like a contactless payment, <laughs> which might be slightly disconcerting for everyone involved, particularly if you have to kind of jump to the bit on the yeah. tube where you have to tap your phone in. But, um, you know, that sort of thing would mean that you'd never be without um payment device.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. You wouldn't have to get it out there, right? It would work through your clothes
3: Yes, luckily the radio waves would be able to penetrate the clothes, yeah. That's good. The problem, I think, with all these sorts of transhumanism type ideas where we try and implant technology into our bodies is that technology moves on so quickly that in a few years, maybe we won't have use of a Wi-Fi hotspot or a contactless payment (laughs) device. So then you'd just be left with a useless ball again.
4: (laughs) Yeah, well, you
0: know, if there's room, there's a little gap there left if you've lost one. I mean, you could just put that, anywhere from you could just put it into the scrotum of someone with two balls they could have three balls yes i mean or just put it
3: somewhere more useful that's true yes it doesn't need to be there but actually that's something that they are looking at doing people that take a lot of testosterone supplements their testes naturally shrink as a result of that and so there are people coming forward to want these implants just to have a bigger ball again and they put them either i think underneath or maybe in front of their natural balls so these are people with three or i guess even four yeah ball shapes in a scrotum.
0: I think that's a lot. It just seems like an enormous waste of scientists' time to be... <laughs> I feel <laughs> embarrassed even talking to you for half an hour about it, let alone <laughs> getting people to go, yeah, let's try and make a ball that'll squeeze like a ball. You know, it's good as a, you know, it's your own stress ball, but then you people are going to be fiddling with themselves every time they're stressed and get arrested. So it's not going to be that good a thing that is a risk it does seem a waste of your valuable time (laughs) i mean i presume you're not personally working on on this one not me personally
3: i guess it's good for people to have the option isn't it and to have the choice there's more and more interest obviously now in kind of gender reassignment surgeries and for those reasons for people that want it for more of a kind of mental health perspective yeah it's good that we can offer it to them and you know maybe there will be an unforeseen technology that comes out of it that we haven't even imagined yet
0: That's very exciting. And does it cross over into biology? Will you be able to sort of graft actual biological material into there as a kind of testicular Frankenstein? Would you be able to create life? Yeah, definitely.
3: (laughs) So one way that materials engineers are trying to make better implants is to use a patient's stem cells, take out a patient's own cells, and implant them into a 3D printed sort of model. And the shape of the let's say, testicle, what they're trying to do is to kind of grow a patient's own cells so that it basically grows an organ in a lab and then you can implant that. And to the body, it looks as if it is that patient's own material because that's exactly what it is. It's been grown from their own body. So those are the sorts of things that people are doing for things like uh, like liver transplants, for example. One day we would love to be able to grow a liver in a lab and then implant it to the person who needs it. So maybe balls will be put on that list as well.
0: Can you make that contactless as well, though, or if it's biological?
3: If it's biological, yeah. Just the boring old biological properties, unfortunately.
0: (laughs) I wonder if it could have some kind of technology, like if you're underwater, a float comes up, like if you're on a plane crash, then there's a float. Or, uh, you know, if you crash a car, then the thing (laughs) comes out and saves you. Yeah, an airbag. Yeah, an airbag in there. You could turn your whole scrotum into an airbag. Yeah, I like it. It would hurt a bit, but it's better than dying in a car crash, isn't it? That is true. It's a talking point. Well, these are just some ideas for you to pass around with the other guys (laughs) working on this.
3: I will let them know. Fantastic.
0: That sounds very exciting. That was the very informative. Dr Anna Poshyiski loved that chat. Thank you for joining us, Anna. And sorry about the terrible things I've said about you that aren't true. You can find out more about her and about her own podcast handmade at her website, annaposhaysky.com. It's spelt like it sounds. P-L-O-S-Z-A-J-S-K-I. No one's gonna find that. Luckily, we're gonna put We will put a link to her website in the description for this episode for those of you that can't spell Peshayski on their own. Now, from inserting testers into a sack to taking emails out of one. This is written by my producer, and he wants me to say a mail sack, that is, which it's a mail, like M-A-I-L, not M-A-L-E. I mean, yeah, I suppose you need it. It's time for once again... (laughs) I am not responsible for that joke. It is time to once again have a look at some of the messages you've been sending into the show from the Kahimababa mail sack. That's C-I-H-M-B-B at gmail.com. It's the initials of Can I Have My Ball Back? We asked you to contact us about prosthetics and I have to tell you, you haven't disappointed us. Here we go. We've received this short and sweet email, simply titled "Prostheses." I had an ex-colleague who was known for, after a few pints, getting his plastic knacker out and banging it on the table. Different times, I guess. Well, not really, mate. Not according to the testimony of Charlie Borman, Dr Sarah Kayat and Scott Bennett. Those things are still happening. But, you know, from people who've lost a ball, so come on. Have some empathy, won't you? And we've also been sent this email, titled, Two Balls Down, Two Prosthetics In, which says, I've had testicular cancer in two separate instances. Both were caught early, thank goodness. The first time I went without the fake ball, as I wasn't overly concerned about visuals. The second time, I felt my poor little fella might look lonely with nothing else down there. So I decided to have the NHS insert fake bollocks to restore a more familiar look. Initially, it was hard to get them in the right position because the scar tissue made one of them raise up really high and lock in place. But after some ball massages, which was actual advice from a doctor, yes, yeah, sure it was, they moved into place. Now they're really pert and pretty, actually. But they're not functional, which means I now have testosterone replacements. Every three months, I get an injection to top up my hormones. This sends me into a charged teenager phase that slowly subsides until the next jabs. That means I'm horny, confused and needy for the first week, which is not a great combination for a 37-year-old man. I don't know, I was still like that at 37, mate, so I'm not sure it's the testosterone replacements. I'm still getting used to it, but as a man who didn't really have to consider his hormones much before, this experience shows me how much they can change our personality. Yeah, I mean, it's really good to hear from people who have been unfortunate enough to lose both testicles, which I know from my own experience, that was a terrible worry for me. After you lose one, you think, what if the other one goes? But as that shows, there are treatments. It certainly isn't as bad as you might imagine it to be, and... Thank you very much for emailing in to let us know about that experience. Now, you may remember that in the last episode, I said we welcomed emails about all cancers. And this email, subject line, top bollock cancer, is also on point about prosthetics. It comes from Matt and it's about his partner Bex and her experiences with breast cancer. Uh, Just to say, it does go into some surgical detail, so if you are squeamish about that kind of thing, maybe skip ahead through this particular email. But it's all right, I think, for most people. You'll be all right. Anyway, he says, Bex was diagnosed with breast cancer in her left breast in 2019 at the age of 33. She had an amazing procedure called a Dieppe flap reconstruction. In one nine-and-a-half-hour session, her nipple was removed and all the breast tissue was taken out of the resulting hole by one team of surgeons while at the same time another team of surgeons was cutting some fat and skin from her abdomen. This tummy fat with blood vessels was then stuffed inside the skin of the breast and a circle of the skin was placed where her nipple used to be. Then her abdomen was all sewn up. So basically a new tit and tummy tuck which pleased her immensely. Many months after the op, it slowly dawned on Bex that she'd had a very good shave before the surgery and the patch of skin used to replace her nipple just so happened to be the part above her pubis mons. So she now grows a wispy little crab ladder on her tit that needs a good shave when she's doing her legs. Finally, she was offered a new nipple. They can do amazing things these days with tattoos and prosthetics, but Bex decided against all of it. She now has one beautiful nippled boob and one beautiful nippleless boob. And she or I couldn't love it more. She'll often say she wants her other one removing so she could go braless in a vest top without getting stared at because of pokey nipples. So Bex has dealt with everything with great humour and finding the silliness in whilst respecting the seriousness of the whole situation has really helped. But for a while I myself really struggled. What made it worse was that I felt I didn't deserve to struggle because it wasn't happening to me. Bex helped me to understand that partners especially should realise that this is happening to them too. She put it brilliantly when she talked about her operation. She was in theatre having a lovely sleep whilst I was terrified, wandering around, not knowing what to do or how to act. It took me a while to get my head straight, but things have got much better and now me and Bex are that annoying couple that demands our friends constantly check their balls or boobs. Loving listening to the story. Thanks for all the entertainment over the years, Matt and Bex. Um, Yeah, look, that's a terrific email, and you're bang on as well, as I'm sure we'll cover as we tell my story. I think this whole thing was much harder on my wife, Katie, than it was on me, and she had to go through some pretty terrible things, which we'll tell you about in a future episode. (laughs) And equally, Bex dealing with that, finding the humour in it, as you say, exactly respecting how serious it is, of course, but I think humour and laughter and seeing how weird a lot of this stuff is is really a fantastic way for most people to get through this. If that's not you, take it all seriously. That's a perfectly valid reaction as well. Finally for today, back to bollocks. We've received this splendidly titled email, testy mail, testy email from Phil. He says, like Charlie Borman, my doctor at first was leaning towards the cause of my enlarged testy being epididymitis. He explained that an easy test for this would be to shine his torch against my scrotum and the fluid would then light up, showing that it wasn't a solid mass. Unfortunately, it did not light up and my brief hopes of a great new party trick were dashed. The subject of a prosthetic was broached only moments before I went under for surgery. A bit more advance notice would have been great, but given that you can't really ask them to go back later and pop one in, I opted to get one there and then. If I'd had more choice, I would have liked something practical. One of those floating ball compasses would have been cool, but then I wouldn't have been able to see it through my skin. So retrospectively, that would have been a poor choice. Something I could have opened bottles with at parties would have been nice. But again, I was not given that option. My understanding is that what I now have in there is a silicon bag. From the outside, it feels very similar to my ball. The majority of the texture being the ball itself, and a small harder area, I guess, to be the root or anchor. I was warned to avoid any impact that might rupture it as the contents would set like concrete. Fortunately, ball torture is not among my peccadilloes, so it's generally exposed to little risk. I mean, that's an interesting point you're making there. If people are getting them smashed to make money for charity, they better take care. If they are the silicon type, make sure that they can bear the beating. And if it is one of your peccadilloes, I don't know, get a stone put in. Get something... Unless you like the idea of concrete setting inside your scrotum. It's up to you. All. I'm not making any judgment. That's what I'm saying. Anyway, Phil continues. It's 15 years now since my ball cancer, and I think if I did not have the prosthetic in there, I might be reminded about it more often. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. While I've got you, I do have a few more memories of my operation. One of the most harrowing elements was when I was being wheeled out from the hospital in a wheelchair by my mother, On the way home, she had to nip into a health food shop. Without thinking, she parked me outside, directly under a sign saying 50% off nuts. (laughs) When I went... I'm also laughing at the idea of your mum taking you in, but, you know, if it has to be, it has to be. When I went for chemotherapy, I had a lovely Irish nurse. As the carboplatin was pumping into me, she asked, Have you farted cum? I was... Fucking hell. Uh, I was a little perplexed by this and thought I may have misheard. She repeated for me, Have you farted come? I can assure you I had made no gastric emission, and it seemed frankly bizarre to suggest I'd expelled any ejaculate whilst doing so. <laughs> I eventually worked out she was actually asking, Have you far to come? Have you far to come? There you go, that's how she would have said it. I was thanks for this. This is uh you know, I think you should do your own stand-up show, to be fair. This is better than anything I've got. I was also given the opportunity to store sperm in case my ability to conceive was impacted. I don't recall if this was before or after the operation, but it was not a fun experience. Either way, without the stored sperm, I've been able to father two beautiful, healthy daughters since, if this fact is of reassurance to any listener. Cheers, Phil. Uh, Thanks for that, Phil. Uh, And that is a very good point. I'm delighted for you. But it is worth remembering, one testicle can do the damage of two testicles. There's still a lot of spunk in there. If you don't want to have any more beautiful, healthy children, do look after yourself down there. Don't assume. Don't make an ass out of you and me. Not that children aren't lovely, but, you know. Well done, Phil. Thank you for that brilliant email. So, that is all for this episode, and I think you've had enough. Thanks to everyone who's got in touch. You can keep emailing us your experiences, both amusing and non amusing, and um, educational and non educational, to C I H M B B at gmail.com. It's the initials of Can I Have My Ball Back at gmail.com. Kahimababa. That's what all the cool kids are calling it. I hope you've enjoyed this deep dive into the pros and cons of prosthetic testicles. Of course, if you ever find yourself needing to decide whether to get one or not, you'll do what is right for you. But I hope I've at least demonstrated you don't necessarily need to have two stones in your scrotum to feel manly, especially if you have a scrotum as thick and leathery as I do. Do keep remembering to check your junk and your bits every month if you can. It's very easy to do it. Go to Movember.com and there's some fantastic advice there. If you are confused, just if anything's different, get in touch with your GP and they will be delighted to help you. Do check out also my book of my experience, also called Can I Have My Ball Back? It's available at all good bookshops and at gofosterstripe.com slash Thanks for listening. Do spread the word about this podcast. You might be saving someone's life by doing so. So if you don't spread the word about this podcast, I like to think of you as a murderer. Just thanks for listening is what I'm trying to say. Can I Have My Ball Back is presented by me, Richard Herring. Thanks to my guest, Dr Anna Poshieski and also to Charlie Borman, Dr Sarah Kayat, Scott Bennett and Gemma Bennett. I am, of course, indebted to my producer, Ben Walker. Thanks also to Chris Evans. Not that one, or that one. My researcher is Alex Hiscock. George Lingford is the incompetent sound man who recorded my stand-up. Very competently, I have to say. I'd also like to thank Rich Evans at Sigbox, Also, everyone at the Bill Murray and the Phoenix where I recorded the stand-up. Their music is by Gustav Holst, who, despite having been on for three episodes, has not yet hit the charts. I think, you know, give him a chance. Give him a listen. Try him on Spotify or whatever. I think you'll like him. Thanks also to BMG Music Library. This is a Go Faster Stripe, Sky Potato and
4: Fuzz production. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.
1: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
0: Thanks again for listening to the podcast. richardherring.com slash ballback slash tour or richardherring.com slash gigs for all of the information on the tour. Go for lots of downloads and books and lots of fun. Thanks for listening. Go and listen to another one. Tell your friends about the show. Tell your friends about the tour. I love you all. I'm out.